Hi friends, it's Heike and I am pumped that you're here with me today. Do you have dreams, goals, aspirations, and plans for the future? I do. And some people call our dreams and aspirations and plans and hopes a pipe dream. Well, I had to look up what pipe dream actually meant as English is my second language and it states that a pipe dream is an unattainable or fanciful hope or plan. Whoa, wait a minute. I do believe that we can reach for the stars, that we can make our dreams come true and that our hopes and plans will become a reality, sometimes not exactly as we envisioned them, but I would never say I give up and it's not possible. Anything's possible. As you will find out in today's interview, this amazing woman on the show today created her dream and made her pipe dream a reality. She will share some of the strategies on how she made that happen, among other tidbits to go along with how to edit or publish a book. So before we dive in, I would love it if you hit subscribe on Apple, hit follow on Spotify, and added me to your favorites on Stitcher so you won't miss out on any episode coming your way. So let's dive into today's episode. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Today's guest is Christine Reinebo. Christine is the founder and CEO of Dream Build Book, an independent children's book publishing company dedicated to providing books that tackle big topics. Christine has been publishing since 2014 with eight titles currently available to families. In 2020, Christine's title Home received an honorable mention in the Purple Dragonfly Children's Book Awards. Her newest title, Value, What's Within, Mo and Ollie Explore Body Diversity, was released in July of 2021. And if you're wondering why we're talking about kids' books, you'll find out. Welcome to the show, Christine. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Awesome, awesome. Listen, Christine, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Because we're talking children's books a little bit, but 
We also talk a little bit about other things that are related to why you're writing, but who are you? Yeah, um, so I am, you know, I'm a young professional who started off her career working with kids. So I started off, you know, in teen programming and I worked with a lot of kids um, who didn't always necessarily have a strong adult figure in their life. Um, and that kind of became myself and my team that worked with them. So um, I started publishing books when I realized I had the opportunity to really send some messages out to young people at a really early age and start to tackle some of these tougher topics that they may not be getting at home. Or, you know, if a parent hasn't already learned the lesson themselves, um, you know, helping those parents to start those conversations. So I started doing that back in 2014. Um, and I started off with a vanity press and didn't really enjoy the experience I was having. Uh, so I decided I wanted to do more. Uh, so I just, you know, jumped in and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take hold of all of it myself. And that's when I started Dream Built Books in 2017. Uh, so I became the, um, the primary author of our, my little company. Um, and we started publishing and it's been a great, great experience. When did you start writing, Christine? Oh, I mean, I started writing so long ago. I, you know, I found, um, as I told you, we just recently moved and I was looking through some things and ended up finding one of my first like novels. And it was this cute little story about this underwater world and, and really just coming back to the idea of appreciating where, what you have in your own world. Um, and it was wildly poorly written. It was terrible. My grammar was not great at all. Um, but that was from back when I was in like fifth grade, I was starting to think about writing stories. So um, I think I've been writing stories for a lot longer than I even sometimes realized. You know, it's funny that you said it was poorly written. When I look back, when I started writing uh, blogs, and now I look back at those blogs, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I did this. <laughs> Right. And we're our own worst critics too. So like, oh, yeah, keep know. learning. So you started writing when you were what, 12? Yeah. Yeah. Loosely. Um, I mean, it was the same writing that I feel like most young people do of trying to tell stories about the world you see around you. Yep. Now, this is a question that I'm maybe a little bit late, but what are you most passionate about when it comes to writing? So... I'm, I'm passionate about the lessons that I'm teaching. So I get really excited when I'm able to share, you know, it's one of these big lessons. So, you know, we tackle things like intuition or the newest one is body diversity. Um, the, we handled grief at one point. And so these are big topics, heavy topics. And when you get it in front of somebody and they start to go, oh my gosh, that, that hits. And it's written in, in a story that's meant for kids, um, I get really excited about that because that means that now not only did my message get across, but it's something that's going to be palatable for a young reader. And that means that you're going to start to see impact because um, if they, they get it and if they can put it all together, then just maybe one person gains something. Because mm -hmm, I saw you have illustrations in your books as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, probably a close second is the illustrations. I love finding illustrators and working with them and 
really being intentional about what Im what images we put with our words. So um, in the in a couple of our more our newer titles, you know, we got really intentional starting with the second one, but then really getting even better than the last couple of years of really trying to show as many types of kids and families as we can in our books so that every kid who picks up a book can find themselves in one of our books. So important to do, as you said earlier, you know, they may not have uh, a role model at home yeah. that they can model themselves or poor role models or, yeah. or parents that never talk about these things that you talk about in your books. Right. Well, and even there are parents, you know, who have the best of intentions and they want to teach intuition, but if they weren't taught it, they don't know how to teach it themselves. So just making it a tool that can help parents. Yeah. When, when we're talking about these books too, you and I, when we prepared for the interview, we went back and forth and, and we're talking also today about pipe dreams. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you have dreams. What was your dream as a kid? So um, that's actually kind of how I got started is I was, you know, when I was 17 and a senior in high school, I had a, an English teacher who made us write a story to ourselves or a letter. Um, and then five years later, she mailed it to us and um, really cool project in the grand scheme of things to like receive a letter from yourself five years later. Uh, and in my letter, I had said, you know, by the, by the ripe age of 20, you are going to have published a children's book. Oh, and I know at 17, I was like, 20 is old enough. You'll have figured that out. Uh, and no, 20 is not old. 20 is still very young. Um, but I had that vision in my head that I wanted to do that. Well, here I was receiving this letter at 23 years old. And I had, I had forgotten that I had wanted to publish a children's book until I saw it. And I was like, wow, I had a lot of really big dreams for myself. And college really took a lot of my time and energy, but like, why can't I start now? So if I really thought I could do all of this stuff by 20 years old, I mean, we all know that's done. I'm already 23, but what if I could do one of these things by 25? And what if I could do another one by the time I'm 30? Then, you know, then these things aren't lost. So, yeah, so I think it just really comes back to, you know, remembering what those things are and finding ways to get back to that. What drew you to children's books and what ages are your books for? Um, so my books are for ages primarily three to eight, but I've had, had college students read them and be like, I needed to hear that today. Uh, so that's always fun. But I, I was drawn to children's books because it's really easy to see somebody struggling as a teenager and start to be like, oh, we need to talk about this now. But what if you can start that conversation before they're struggling? And what if you can get in front of it and start to impact the challenge before it's even become a challenge? So this was really a route that I, I saw as, you know, how can I make a better future for these kids in a really small, tangible way that's light and fun and brings them into a beautiful little story. That's wonderful because as our each group on the podcast is over 50, so there's probably a bunch of grandmas out there who are like, oh, children's books. And so if you've been scratching your head why I have Christine on, that's not the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's to learn these lessons or perhaps to share a book that she's written with your grandkids or future grandkids as we're going down to realizing our dreams. Now, when you're thinking about the pipe dream, are there limiting beliefs around how to reach your pipe dream? Yeah, abs- I think that's probably, from what I've seen, that's the biggest barrier people have is that limiting belief. Because it's really, it's a lot easier to say, well, I don't think that that's for me. Or no, it's too late. I, I already missed the window to make that happen for myself. Or even, you know, on my side, no, I'm too young. I'm too young to have published eight children's books. That's that's easy. Um, the hard work is getting past the limiting belief and saying, okay, but what if I did want to make this happen? And what does it take? And am I willing to do that? So, um, you know, really, really evaluating that for yourself and, and being brave enough to say, it's not too early, it's not too late, there's never going to be a right time or a right scenario to chase down something you've always wanted. Yeah, it's just got to start. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, the hardest part for many people is just to start because many of us feel stupid. Or who am I to write a book? Yeah, yeah. I, um, so you're familiar with reels, I'm sure, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So I recently did one where it was talking about that imposter syndrome. So um, I get asked that a lot too, where people are like, so did you ever, how did you get past imposter syndrome? And know that like you could be a published author. And it wasn't until probably book five, I had four other books on the market and selling. And I was still struggling to tell people I'm a published author. I publish children's books. But there was a certain turning point where somebody else introduced me as a published author and somebody else recognized that this is something that I do. This is part of my career. And all of a sudden I like heard it and I was like, you know, you're right. I I am a published author. I can take that title. There aren't qualifications assigned to who gets to be a published author anymore. Um, And that's beautiful. We all can be. Imposter syndrome is really hard but everybody's got a story to tell. Yeah. Do you think there's a negative connotation around the pipe dream? Because when you look up pipe dream on Google, it's an unattainable or fanciful hope or plan. Yeah, no, that sounds, that does have a negative connotation. As you read that off, um, that makes it seem like it's something that you can't have. So in that, you know, you said unattainable. So that's looking at this thing that you've always wanted and saying, it's not for me. It's not something I can do. And I like thinking about it, you know, as something that is, is possible. So um, why not reach for it? What is there to lose by trying? Good point. Did you have one of those hurdles that you had to jump over? I had so many hurdles. Um, (laughs) Give us one big one. Yeah. (laughs) Or two if you want to. Yeah, the biggest one. um, So because I started with a vanity press, I was starting with a company that, you know, really what they did was they paid to produce the book. So I gave them or they didn't pay, I paid. So I gave them money, they made my book happen. And then I had to do my marketing, my sales, my events, everything else other than making the physical product. And so, you know, I decided one day with book number two, like, okay, I'm really going to do some research, figure this out and really start to push this forward. Because if I'm going to be a published author, I need to get my book out in front of people. And if I'm going to make an impact, I need to get my book in front of kids. 
So I started researching book festivals that had like access where you didn't have to be invited. Um, and I found this book festival in New York and I was so excited because they were like, all you gotta do is send us 20 copies of your book. We'll put you in the new and upcoming authors and you know, we'll showcase your book. And as your book sell, you'll get 20% of the profit from them. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> Best case scenario, right? I don't have to be present on site and I couldn't afford the trip to get there. They've got this whole new author showcase. I couldn't have asked for a better situation. Uh, so I got all excited and get this all, you know, the books put together, mailed out to them and they're communicating back and forth with me as things are getting set up. And all of a sudden, you know, the book festival happens and a week later, I don't hear anything. And then a, another week later, I don't hear anything. And eventually what ended up happening is they said, you know, we had some faulty technology and we weren't actually able to sell any of your books. And I was like, okay, but so I sent you return packaging. Where is it? And like, can you send me the books back? No, no, we don't know where the books are. And it ended up being a couple hundred dollars of products and shipping fees and different costs that I lost in that process. And I was young and I didn't have a lot of fluid income. And that was a real blow to like my ego, my motivation and my bank account. <laughs> so so they, you paid for the, to get your book published. Yeah. And then they had the books. They didn't do anything with the books. You're out of money. Now what? I was ready to quit. Um, that was, it was a big enough blow to my ego that like I did all this effort and I really thought I'd done the research and I, I lost money. I lost a big chunk of money. And like I said, at that point in time, it was too much for me to wrap my head around. And, um, and I was sitting in my sister's kitchen and I said, I'm done. The, the publishing industry doesn't want me. So why keep fighting it? And I was blessed with having her in front of me. And she said, okay, how about this? you can quit, but I want you to try one more time. Just try one more thing. And if that one more thing fails, you can quit. Then you really did everything and a little bit more. So she sat down with me and she started looking through the next thing I could try. And um, eventually, you know, we found a, a bookshop to reach out to a couple of them actually. And it turns out none of them wanted me either. And it was a big flop, <laughs> but her inspiration and her motivation from to, to say like, you can't, you can quit at any point in time, but just give it that one more shot was really all I needed to say, okay, every time you fall, just give it one more shot. And if you keep doing that repeatedly, <laughs> eventually you just keep going. Just like one of your children books, you keep getting up after you're being knocked down. <laughs> yep. Yep. You just persevere and you keep trying the next thing. Now, Christine, were you told that when you had all these rejections that your books were no good or there were already so many of the, the same thing on the market or, yep, that's probably the two scenarios I can think of. No, actually, I couldn't even get them to read my books. That oh. was a big piece of it. Um, no, for the most part, it was that I was viewed at, because I'm an independent author. I was viewed, you know, as a self-publisher and just, you know, publishing for fun. So creating some credibility to what I was doing was really the trick. And that gave me some different legs to go to bookstores and go to um, book festivals and say, hey, I'm doing this the most legit way possible. Help me. 
Um, but yeah, it took a long time to get there to build that credibility for myself. And it's because there's a, there can be a negative connotation to the idea of going about publishing a book independently. And it's because it's not the traditional route. It's not going and finding a literary agent and going and, you know, submitting your manuscript to a big publishing house and waiting for them to respond and getting all the rejection emails. So there's a lot of that experience that you bypass when you just figure out how to do it on your own. But it's it's a good route to go if it's if you're ready to do some work and and you just got to know you got to fight for your credibility then. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You're following your pipe dream and you're like, I'm not going to be deterred. I have a good, thanks to you, sister. I have a great product. I'm a professional writer. I'm not just writing because I got nothing else to do on the weekends. Yeah. And I have a product that I stand behind it. Like your latest book, uh, Value What's Within, uh, Explore Body Diversity. What struck that idea to tackle that topic? Oh my gosh, every life. Um, so I am, I'm always struggling with my own body positivity and my own, you know, appreciation for the skin that I'm in. And I've spent my whole life struggling with that. And I know that I'm not alone. Uh, so the more I started to talk to people about that and learn about body diversity and body biases, um, the more intriguing it became because body biases affect people's health care. It affects people's ability to get promotions. It affects people's uh, social lives. You know, the list kind of keeps going on and on. And really what it all comes down to is people making assumptions based on the outward appearance of your body as to what you are or are not capable of. And therefore, you know, in the medical world, people get misdiagnosed because they assume it has something to do with their weight. People don't get promotions because they assume that they're lazy. People, you know, have issues in social settings because they don't look exactly the same as the other people in the crowd. So when I started thinking about turning this into a book, you know, I wanted to start the message of let's look deeper and let's start that conversation young with kids about looking at each other's bodies. And, you know, a lot of books out there talk about how to appreciate your own body. Mm-hmm. But a big piece of appreciating your own body is not feeling that judgment from the outside world, looking back at you saying you're wrong and something about your body is incorrect. So when you can start that conversation saying, let's look at everyone and assume that their bodies are perfect just the way they are. And if we can start there and we can assume that everyone is capable of really cool things, then we remove some of that shame and that judgment and that guilt that most people have felt at some point in their lives regarding their own body. Perfect. You know, this is a perfect segue into our women over 50 and what we're experiencing and body shaming and age uh, ageism and yeah. all these things that we know are just not true. And they're, somebody made them up and somebody followed up on that. And if we're not looking like a Barbie and don't have those measurements, we're not beautiful. And we have to be a certain weight, a certain color type, a certain hair type, um, a certain makeups. If you don't wear that certain t-shirt, then you are not part of the group. And, and you're right. All these things start when you're little and they don't seem to die down. And, and uh, right now, since the hashtag me too movement, we, especially as women, have been fighting against the stigmatism that we've been uh, 
exposed to and had to live through and having a book that talks about, you know what, my body is cool the way it is. There's nothing wrong with me is so needed. Yeah. Well, and actually too, you make a good point. So, you know, a lot of the time when we talk about body positivity, body diversity and body biases, we talk about women because women take a huge brunt of the hit. Um, but that's where we also took a really intentional approach with the book and we changed the conversation to talk about it with a little boy as the main character and having him learn everybody, everybody is perfect and shows up on this world. Great. Just the way it is. Um, so, you know, a mantra that I've really tried to focus on as I've been working on this book and getting it out and talking to people about it is that you showed up to this world. Perfect just the way you are. Everything extra that you continue to grow and build upon and change, like improve your own life, that's extra, yeah. but you showed up perfect. And so if we can start that conversation and include everybody in that, in that dialogue, including our young men, then we get to make more of an impact and see more of a change. Yeah. And I think also now that we're addressing more of uh, across different genders and gender preferences, this is also, uh, a, I think in any way, no matter how you look at it, a good start for little people to say, you know, it doesn't matter what he or she believes or what, what their body looks like and what they chose to be like. They're, they're just perfect the way they chose to be maybe at some point and said, yeah. you know, I'm not, I want to be a boy instead of a girl or whatever it may be. Right. Absolutely. It's removing the concept that there is a right and wrong way to exist in this world. There yeah. isn't. There isn't. Being a human is really hard every day. Let's not make it hard. Oh my God. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to make it harder. We need to be kinder to each other and, yeah. and, and support each other. And it's like, you've been supported in, in publishing all your books and you know, when uh, I put my notes together for our talk is when you said that the people that are most successful, as you know, of, in reaching their goals, or reaching their pipe dreams are authors. Why is that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I was writing when I wrote that, because I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, I think anybody who's willing to chase down and fight through the noise to make their dream a reality, I think they're going to find success. Um, if you're persistent and willing to keep fighting for what you believe in and what you want for yourself, um, that's that's what it takes to get to that success level. Um, and I don't think that's limited to writers. I think that, you know, look at anybody who's trying to make something bigger for themselves there's there's noise that they're fighting their way through and they're trying to be heard and to be seen. Um, and in a world right now where it's loud and it's noisy with information coming from every different angle, you know, there's a lot to cut through. Yeah, yeah. I thought that maybe the, the idea behind it was something along the lines that you just write from your heart and you get all the stuff off your soul and just lay it out there. <laughs> I mean, that is part of being a writer. It's a very vulnerable type of dream to chase down. No, Christine, do you have a writing ritual? I, I don't. I'm one of those writers who uh, it's a little frustrating, but I can't write until the story is present. And so, and that, and I don't know how to make the story become present other than to keep doing things. 
So people will be like, are you working on your next book? And I'm like, I mean, yes, but it didn't show up yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, So inconveniently, I will suddenly be driving in my car or some, or I'll be like on a run and I will see something. And all of a sudden in my head, I'll be like, they were all going to the mall and they were doing X, Y, Z and da, 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 da. And then I have to like grab my phone and say it all over again and voice record it real quick because I'm never in a spot where I have a piece of paper somewhere. I'm never in a convenient spot where I can just go write it down and I have to like read it to myself really quick. And then I got to get myself in front of a computer because the words showed up and I have to start writing now. <laughs> I love that. It's like, thanks to technology. Cause I sometimes have ideas. I'm going, oh, this is brilliant for my course. And if I keep doing what I'm doing, I will not remember it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I've had people be like, well, that's why I keep like one of those waterproof notepads in the shower and like a notebook next to my bed. And I'm like, that's too easy. I wish that's when my ideas came to me. Because yeah. then I could just write it down. But no, it'll be like while I'm driving and I'm not supposed to be on my phone. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'll be like, hearing the words in my head be like that's it that's those are the words I was looking for (laughs) that is very interesting because that's the first time I hear that for somebody because everybody or many people talk about set aside writing time in the morning and have this whole ritual with turning on music and candles and lock doors and that sounds like that would be so nice if I worked (laughs) that way (laughs) (laughs) but I'm thinking sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm trying to create something and people are like oh let it go let the flow go through you and I'm thinking actually I'd rather go running right now than doing this and why force yourself to create when there's just I'm just not inspired right now or or you know I'd rather go running (laughs) absolutely that's I mean there was one point in time I want to say it was um, lost where I wanted to write a book about empathy and couldn't get the words out. And all of a sudden I started thinking about loss and all of a sudden I had a whole story and I was like, well, I guess we're publishing a book about loss because that's the story I have today. Yep. Yep. I love that. Cause in that, there's so much, I like, I love that creativity is like, let, I mean, you, you let the, the, the thoughts come to you whenever they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that makes it a little, <laughs> A little hard to plan sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> like to your husband, hold on, honey. No dinner just yet. I need to type. <laughs> the story is here. You cook. I'm gonna go write this down. <laughs> he would. He would. That's awesome. So you're a successful published author, and I'm very proud of you that you did that and you busted through that pipeline along and you you did it. Now I've had published authors on the show before, but we've never talked about, and for anybody listening, if you want to publish a book, here are Christine's tips and tricks for entering the publishing industry. And you heard a little bit about it already, but let's dive into that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So my first tip would be identify what you're looking for out of your publishing experience. I don't think you can like pursue anything until you know what you want. Um, I made that mistake and I just kind of dove in (laughs) because I was 23 and didn't know what I was doing. Um, And I ended up in uh, with a publishing company that didn't fit my needs and my desires. 
So give you know, us a little bit more of a more detailed example, like describe the situation. Yeah. So if you're looking for, you know, cookie cutter, I give you my book, you pay me in advance and you do a good chunk of the heavy lifting. Um, you help me with my event setup a lot more of the, the fun traditional side of publishing. Uh, I would highly recommend researching literary agents, researching, you know, traditional publishers that align with what you believe in and what the, what they're doing. Um, if you're interested in a good, fun challenge, <laughs> indie publishing is the route to go. And you can even find hybrid publishers. So like I, by all technical standards, I'm considered a hybrid publisher where I can publish other people, but I currently independently publish myself. So indie publishers can give you a great experience as well, but it's going to be a lot less um, handholding necessarily, but it's also not going to be like leave you high and dry. And because it's limited resources. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you just want to say, I published my book, I got my words onto paper and I did it. You reach out to a vanity press and you can pay to publish and you can make that book something that you can hold in your hands and be proud of. Um, So really identifying, you know, what energy level do I want to put into this? What, What do I want out of it? I wanted a business. I wanted to be able to do this and really make something of it. So I went indie and I wanted to control my message and my my content and everything. So identifying that and then aligning that to the right type of publisher Mm -hmm. and then research is my other big tip is there's a lot of information. Um, So talk to people, research, you know, the different publishers you're looking at, the different routes you're looking to go um, and really feel confident about the, the direction you're going because I don't agree with everybody, with every other publisher out there. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to publish my children's book with every publisher. Mm-hmm. So knowing what their mission is, knowing what they stand behind and how they pick their books and making sure that aligns with what you stand for. And I'm sure if they publish for you, they take a big chunk of the revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes before it ever gets into a customer's hands. And so you know, like any business, they've got to be able to pay their, pay their bills. So yeah, you'll end up with, you know, if, if the money piece isn't a huge part of it for you, you know, there's different routes that can help to make sure, you know, the book is out there, they're selling it, but you're not making a huge amount per book and indie publishing, you know, you end up doing a lot more work, but you get a higher royalty usually. Um, so it's, it's really just a trade-off in any which direction. There's not a right way to publish a book, in my opinion. There's just a right way for you. So figuring out what that is. So do you write your book or publish your book on demand? I do. Yes. So, um, I dual print my books so that they're accessible in a few different ways. Um, and I've now dove into having hardcover books because I really wanted to have that, that durability of, of the book. So I do print on demand. What I like about doing that is that I can keep as much inventory on stock at any point in time that I want. Um, A lot of people do print runs depending on the printing company that they work with. Um, And that's usually when you find out that somebody just got like a thousand copies delivered to their house. That's a print run. And (laughs) I'm hoping to buy a house in the near future here, but being a renter, I never had room to store a thousand copies of my book at any point in time. And so I didn't want to have a thousand copies on hand. So your books are also on Amazon, right? Yes. So do you do audio as well? 
I have not started doing audio yet. I've thought about it, but I always second guess myself because I'm always like, how, but how badly are parents looking for me to read the 32 pages for them? So I don't know. I, I, I constantly go back and forth on that one. If people, I mean, maybe your listeners will tell me, do you think I should make audiobooks? I'd be game to try it out. Okay. So you heard it, listeners. Christine wants to know if she should make audiobooks with her kids' books because I have my own opinion about that too. <laughs> What's your opinion? I want hardcover. I um, love the time when my kids, who are now 30 and 33, I would sit with them and they had great pictures and easy to digest illustrations and big words. So when they started reading, they could actually sound out the words and you could spill anything on them. So those kinds. Mm. But they were really little, so it doesn't matter if the milk got spilled on the book, it was not destroyed. And as they got older, they became less less uh, focused on destroying it, but they could keep reading them over and over and, and also or read it to them. That yeah. was really my always my favorite, like a really good book that you could share together. Yeah, so absolutely. But people are different. So when yeah. you when you want to write, when you want to reach your dreams, when you want to follow your dreams, how can you do this with a busy lifestyle? I mean, you're moving or you just moved and you have all this stuff going on. How do you squeeze stuff like that in with the publishing and the, the writing and the finding somebody and going to places and talking to people? How do you do that when you have a busy life aside from that? You know, it comes down to picking your priorities on what needs to happen on any specific week. And then I really just try to carve out a small chunk of time where I can um, and really just commit to taking care of what I need to do. So, you know, on a really crazy week, sometimes all I have to give is 30 minutes to keep my social media going. Um, and that and that's all I have to give. And so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and then there's other weeks where, you know, I have a good chunk of time and I sit down for four hours and I commit that time to just really diving in. So being honest about your schedule, because busy is a real thing and, and that's not a bad thing and it doesn't need to get in the way of you chasing this down. But being honest about what your schedule is and then committing what you have. And like, I, I put it in there as a meeting with myself. That's a meeting with myself that I need to uphold in my calendar to take care of these things. So I think if you're busy, that's the only way you keep keep focused on it. So how do you stay fit and healthy, Christine? I, I'm a runner. So I love going for a good run um, and even, you know, doing some at-home workouts and hiking. Anything that keeps me, you know, outside doing things, I just love it. Yeah, I love outdoors too. That's definitely my favorite part. I don't really care that much of what you do when you're active. It's like just be outside in the sun, the fresh air and where it's quiet and hopefully a lot of trees and plants and in mountains or lakes. It doesn't really matter, but that's my favorite thing too. Oh, absolutely. I always love when I can find a good trail that runs along a river and or like a little creek and you just have this beautiful scenery around you and it becomes yeah. so easy to become mindless about the running piece of it and you just kind of absorb the world around you and forget that you know your muscles might be sore and this, you've been going longer than you anticipated but you're present in the moment and that's it's a beautiful feeling it sure is so tell us where is what's the future of dream build as you see it right now 
we're going to keep putting out more and more books. Um, so this newest book is part of a new series. So we will have a whole new spirit series called the Mo Exploring series. So we are going to be focusing on a lot more of that um, internal struggle that a lot of people feel. So, you know, right now we've got the body diversity, but we want to tackle some self-esteem issues and anxiety and, you know, really start to talk about all of those different things in positive ways, because having anxiety, while it's hard, it's not negative. It, it can be an okay thing. Um, and same thing with self-esteem, you know, it's, it's not great and it's hard on you specifically, but there's ways to work through that and there's ways to shift it into positivity. So, um, you know, we got a lot of books in the pipeline and we're just going to keep going until we run out of ideas and, and have fun along the way. That's awesome. And how can people reach you and get a hold of your books, Christine? Yeah. So, you can always get a hold of us on dreambuiltbooks.com um, or by email dreambuiltbooks at gmail.com. We try to keep it really simple. So we're, you know, Facebook and Instagram. If you search Dreambuilt Books, you'll find us. Um, and then all of our books are available on our website and then as well on Amazon. Um, and if you check out our website, we have a few bookstores that keep our books on stock as well. So there's no excuse for you guys not to look at those books because I did and I'm like oh this is really cute and you're not too old to read children's books as you found out today from Christine because we have all these lessons in those books that we all can learn from and we can all benefit from so Christine thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all your wisdom if you guys want to reach out to Christine and her books have questions or want to know more about publishing, the links will be in the show notes for you. So it's easy. You don't have to pull over and write everything down. You just come back to the show notes when the episode airs and reach out to us on social media. We love talking to people and we love to hear from you on social. And you know, Christine's link will be in the show notes. You know that you can reach me at Heike Yates on Facebook and Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark on Facebook and Heike Yates on Instagram, of course. And you, we want you to talk to us. What books would you might like in the future? Or if you looked at the books and said, oh, I really love that book. Tell us your experience with Christine's books or, or ideas you have, but also tell us how she can potentially help you in publishing your book. So she's here for you. I'm here for you. And we're connecting you all together. So Christine, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And everybody else, we'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao.